The following radio show does not contain flash photography, but does have full-on entertainment right from the start. You're listening to the Sunday Times Education Festival radio show with Russell Prue. The Sunday Times Education Festival. www.festivaloveducation.com It's 6 o'clock, it's Friday the 19th of June. It's got to be the Sunday Times Festival. You're listening to the Sunday Times Education Festival radio show with Russell Prue. And it's really good to have your company. Thanks so much for stopping by. We have got an amazing show for you this evening. Uh, first guest this evening is Lucy Crayon, and she is amazing. She's done some brilliant research. She's been about uh, lots of countries looking at the educational systems there. But this is interesting. Her research hasn't taken her through the official channels. She's worked in schools in these target countries. And she has a unique insight into the perspective and opportunities of those countries education systems she's writing a book she spoke here and she's on our show in just a second an amazing interview and and just she's on my compass checking list now i'll say also we chat to felix and lawrence two amazing talented musicians here from wellington college they perform a live lounge piece for us also on the show we've got sophie green she's an educator and spoke here earlier about giving young people more choice in their educational um Activities, uh, great music, great show. Get in contact. The usual methods—they're all open and available to you. You can send us a text on eight five zero one zero. Remember to start the text message with the word radio. It's uh, quieting down here. We've finished. Sir Ken has just spoken. Um, I failed to secure an interview with him or any of the other A-list celebs. I'm afraid they're kind of escorted in and out. Uh, and if you're the Secretary of State for Education, you bring extra security. Um, and you are walked in and walked out very quickly. So I've completely utterly failed. I, I hope that hasn't uh, spoiled your enjoyment of the show. We're talking to real uh, practitioners up close and personal. And we're giving them more time and an opportunity for me to probe them uh, at an enormous depth and I think that's really important because that's what the radio show is really all about bringing you some cracking good ideas some new innovative uh, learnings and some places to go and find some other information it's been a great festival really enjoyed it the weather I don't know why they are now they are so lucky each year and amazing a um, couple of chilly moments, I have to say. Is that I'm not doing the weather forecast, just in case you're worried. Um, Lucy's here in just a second. Um, but it was a little chilly a couple of times, but the sun's out and it's a glorious afternoon. I hope you're having a good time wherever you are. I see people packing up now. Um, have a, a, a really good weekend. Enjoy the rest of the show. I'll be with you just at the end. In just a second, I'll come back on and just recap on what we've just had. Have a, a, a good afternoon. Get in contact and enjoy the show. Don't go anywhere. It's all happening here. The Sunday Times Education Festival. Brought to you by Summer House Education. You're listening to the Sunday Times Education Festival radio show with Russell Prue. The Sunday Times Education Festival. www.festivaloveducation.com 
and there's still so much more to come. It's Russell here right the way through until 7 o'clock this evening and listen to the Sunday Times radio show. Uh, with me live in the studio is a fabulous and very talented young lady, almost a lady in red today. It is Lucy Crehan, I've said that right, and she's just spoken uh, at the festival here. Lucy, welcome to the show. Thanks very much for joining us. Thanks very much, Russell. Delighted. Uh, your CV reads like a book in its own right. The things you've done. So you started as a classroom practitioner. Um, you've moved into research. You've got a master's under your belt. Um, you're probably the most qualified and interesting person I've spoken to today. <laughs> I'm sure you're, that's not true. <laughs> oh, honestly, your research has taken you to some really areas. You've been looking at educational systems, and I'll, mm. I'll call them systems for the moment, around the world and comparing, contrasting. You're working on a book, which is really good, and you're launching a video today. Tell the listeners about that. That's right. So so my book is about education systems around the world, um, particularly those education systems which are most often talked about by politicians yeah. because they come top of these international tests. Yeah. Um, very often quoted, people say, oh, but do we actually really want to be like those those systems so that's what I've done I've gone to have a look at, yeah. at what those systems are doing and, and wow. my book is about that journey um, people I met the, the things I discovered um, to, to help people have a better understanding of what education is really like in those places and by look do you mean look or do you mean feel touch breathe and have some classroom exposure yes the latter so I was teaching in in most of those countries as well I'm living living with teachers as I went actually, that's which more was than a really a, look. a really good way. Of, Lucy, of that's to more know. than a look. <laughs> that's what a politician's advisor. We've looked at a few. Yeah, we thumbed through the tables, as you've rightly said. You've lived and you've breathed. What have you learned? The biggest overall picture, I I think I'd say, is that what makes a good education system depends on what you value, um, and you can't have everything. So the education systems I've seen, they're all successful in, in quite a specific way. They're all successful in the sense that they do well for 15-year-olds in, in reading um, maths and science. But they also have very different ideas about what makes good education and therefore take different actions which have different outcomes. And there are compromises that they have to make. Um, and I think that's a, that's something that we need to uh, to deal with as a, as a country in England. We need to decide what we want and what compromises we're willing to make to, to reach those goals. Why can't we have everything? it costs money <laughs> because I think all of those systems no, none of them have enough money to, to cater for every every possible need would money would only money fix it um, no the no absolutely not there's there's a lot that we can do um, without any extra money it's only that if you're trying to to do everything you know if you're trying to um, not just not just cater for everyone's individual needs because I think you can do that um, but, for example, there's, there's a value that I think Singapore has, which is more about efficiency yeah. um, and making sure that everyone comes out of school with a useful skill, um, which, which is, is fine, um, which is good and has been fantastic for their economy. Um, there's, in Finland, on the other hand, their, their goal seems to be more about the quality. And they have a much more comprehensive system compared to Singapore that, that has streaming from quite a young age. Um, and, and neither of the things are right or wrong. They are different values. And, and those values dictate how they then approach their education systems. So it's fair to say that the cultural setting of that institution is also a factor. Absolutely. Um, absolutely. So as, as I think many people are aware, in Asia, it's a very different um, cultural experience when it comes to education. Um, many Asian parents care deeply about education and they see it as the route to success for their children. And, and again, there are pros and cons to that. Obvious pros, they put a lot of time and energy into their children's education. In Singapore, for example, um, parents will actually take an entire year off 
to support their children when they're doing their primary school leaving exams because they're high stakes exams um, at age 12. Of course the the flip side of that is that children don't necessarily have very much space in their childhood for things other than study in some cases. And how does that leave the child? Is that what do they miss out on that other children from around the world? You see I'm I'm Mm. interested in in how we compare. Are Are we comparing on horizontal kind of planes or are we looking at the whole individual? Are we saying that by taking a parent out and pressurizing the student and mm. I'm paraphrasing here intentionally mm. to be provocative um, pressurizing them so much do they miss out on levels of creativity that mm. other kids mm. elsewhere would have had with Lego because mm-hmm. they've had some those kind of uh, what are the skills and, and is this anything to do with what the world needs big questions Russell um, I think whether or not ch- um, children in Singapore with this pressure are better off or worse off depends on what you're comparing them to okay. um, they certainly if you spend more of your time doing homework and more of your time in private tuition you have less unstructured time um, for play and there's been um, research has shown that there's a whole number of beneficial effects to play and not least um, as you say um, creativity but on the other hand you know if you were to compare them with an English child who may have less homework but then was to spend all of their time watching TV you know it's not necessarily (laughs) that we have an advantage Um, so Um, so in terms, so of, in terms of your questions it's about um, about what is needed, yeah. um, I spoke to a, a Chinese Canadian um, in Canada who'd grown up in China his whole life and was then um, is now becoming a Canadian citizen, yeah. and he told me a great analogy um, about playing tennis. He said so for for Chinese kids when they rehearsing some academic skill they're taught exactly step by step how you do it yes. you know you throw you throw out the ball yes. you know I'm not a tennis player so I'm probably going to get this wrong <laughs> you throw out the ball you hit it at a certain angle you know elbow comes up arm comes up I get it. and they do it and they get it done perfectly so they are would be you know the equivalent analogy the expert tennis players sure but if the world were to change and suddenly you haven't got a tennis ball you've got a shuttlecock then that requires actually that requires something different. And if you've been taught that this is the exact way that you do it, that might then limit your ability to deal with incoming incoming balls, <laughs> different it's things. That creative word again, um, isn't it? We're kind of harking mm, back to that, aren't mm. we? It's that. And and I think Singapore is very aware of that. I mean, taking Singapore as an example, um, Sing- Singaporean politicians are aware that they they need to and want to develop creativity in yeah. their young people. Yeah. Um, they're very on the ball, the policymakers in Indeed Singapore. They are. The, the difficulty is that it, I don't think it works to, to have creativity as an add-on, to have kind of creativity lessons. Um, and they did actually introduce a policy a little while ago called Teach Less, Learn More. The idea being to have more space in the curriculum so that there could be more space for children to develop their creativity and independent thinking. The difficulty is, because of the way the system is structured as being very competitive, mm. very selective, mm. ultimately students aren't going to get ahead in life if they don't knuckle down and study really hard and the parents know that so the parents are pressuring the teachers no you know we want you to do more study more tutorials um and unless unless that system changes unless that compulsion to study harder than everyone else um changes then it's i think it's very difficult to to fit in anything else Wow, you must have had so much fun doing this. It was, it, I, did, I did i also ended up in hospital twice though so oh, not all fun so sorry to hear that <laughs> Um, tell me about what we can do here. Let's concentrate on United Kingdom mm. PLC. Mm. Um, and let's assume you have the ear of the Secretary of State and it's within her power to make these changes. Yes. What would we do? What should we do? Okay. 
the most difficult question of all, I think. Um, it's all very well for me to... I have ideas about what my perfect education system would look like. So partly it'll depend on your values. And, and, and I'm just speaking now from my values. It is a value-laden subject. Okay. Um, it's even more difficult when you're asking in the context of the current situation when you have you know massive budget cuts yeah. um, that are difficulty. The system has changed so much um, in the past five to ten years that, it, that you know you kind of have to take that and run with it um, there's some things that can't be undone <laughs> okay um but given all of that i suppose based on my current thinking i'd say i would focus on attracting um attracting more people to the teaching profession and two main ways of doing that one would be to change all of the language around accountability that's being used i think too much the government is basically stamping their feet and saying we demand better education which of course is admirable no one wants poor schools no one wants any students to to be failed but just by saying we demand this or or we'll fire you we'll shut you down that doesn't actually help improve a system so to change the language around accountability even if actually um well actually not just the language I also think that it should be more support-based rather than punitive. So if a school's doing badly, you know, go and have a look, see what they need. Do they need experts to come in from other schools and help them out? Great. Doesn't necessarily mean that the first step is to fire the head teacher, which is certainly people's impression in the education system at the moment that that's what is, is going on. Yeah. So so I'd change the, the language and the actions around, around accountability. I'd also change the way that teachers are educated. Yeah. I think the move to deregulate that is a, is a wrong one. Um, and goes the opposite direction from what all of these systems that do so well have done. Right. And and although you know PISA is a narrow measure, I'm not saying that these we should copy what these systems do or they are the best systems. But they do all have high quality teaching professions. Teaching is a selective profession. Lots of people want to do it, and it is therefore respected. It's a bit of a chicken and egg scenario going on here. Yeah. Um, but if we were to reprofessionalize teaching, you know. We're sending out the wrong message. By saying you don't have to be a qualified teacher, you're sending out the message that anyone you know, with a degree and a bit of confidence can be a teacher. And I don't think that that's a healthy message to be sending out because it devalues the profession as a whole. There's a lot of expertise you need to be a good teacher. Yeah. Um, and I think we should be putting teaching back, back into um, a, number, a, a small number of universities. I'm not saying that, that it was perfect before by any means and there should possibly be a review or an overhaul of how sure. university teacher education is run. Yeah. But I still think the best place is in a few institutions that therefore can be selective and, and, and do things correctly and can actually be yeah. evaluated. You can't evaluate teacher education when it's happening in thousands of different schools across the country. No, it's necessarily going to be patchy. Very good point there as well. But of course, um, the Secretary of State's blamed media for <laughs> devaluing the. <laughs> oh, uh, it's all our fault, apparently, <laughs> because uh, 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 Waterloo Road and all of these mm. programs that have painted mm. uh, Jack Whitelaw is personally to blame. <laughs> for, I'd have said he's a, a huge but, incentive but getting to shows, teaching. You know, they are showing a reality of the education system. I think they are. It's, it's not the whole. It's not the whole picture, but it is. It's a true picture of certain schools. Good start. We change the language, we do that. What else? Um, so, change, change the language, change that. Um, what else? I mean, assessment, I hate, I hate, I, I'm loath to say change assessment because it's been changing so much already. Um, but I do think, actually, maybe that, that this is one of the ways in which we could go the right way. I don't think that necessarily it's too early to say. Um, but I think if assessment is designed really sensibly and really carefully by experts in assessment, um, if, if you get the assessment right, yeah. then 
even if you have teaching to the test, it's it's healthier teaching to the test and, yeah. and possibly broader teaching to the test than what we've had um, more recently. And does um, your definition include a central two-hour exam in a subject or is there some kind of ongoing gradual assessment? I think we... there should be a variety. Um, okay. And I think children... I think children should be able to take a variety of different types of assessments. It shouldn't all be in one in one format. But I think, having said that, I do think all students should should have to take assessments in a variety of formats because that's how you get a kind of a broader picture of a student's capabilities is by seeing how they perform in different situations, yeah. in exam conditions versus coursework versus group work. Yeah. Um, all are important, and I wouldn't want to see some children only being assessed by coursework. Um, like I'd equally wouldn't want to see everyone only being assessed by. Um, pen and paper tests as they are at the moment. as they are yes I know. okay that's fine it's kind of you need to remember exactly where it is um final question and yes. i'm very grateful for your time um in which country did you have the most fun <laughs> doing this i mean not just skiing water skiing, or yeah. pursuing some uh, incredibly exciting sport but uh, doing this research which country yes. did you have the most fun in i'd say finland i had the most fun in finland are they the most fun people It it wouldn't be the obvious answer to say about the Finns. I mean, the Finns are naturally quite quiet, fairly reserved, quite private people. Um, And I think when you go as a tourist, and when I wasn't with the people that I was with, I I did find them to be not unfriendly, but but certainly not not outgoing and and fun in in the normal way that we think about it. But actually, the people that I met were fantastic, incredibly friendly, and once once you knew them, were were just were just lovely and fun um and, and, and i was much more involved i think in finland than anywhere else because i was teaching quite a lot in finland i took quite a lot of english lessons wow um i was also in one school for a bit longer than i have been in another country so i was in i was in one school for three weeks when i was in finland along with a few you know day trips to a few other schools and then a week at the end where i was i was looking at, at several but the moment i really got to know the staff um and they and they were fantastic and took me to you know their cottages where they had saunas and lakes and I was in hospital in Finland. I got a rare Finnish disease called rabbit fever. But even that's a novelty, isn't it? I watched a lot of New Girl. From rabbits? From rabbits. Really? Yeah, well, rabbits carry it. Okay. I, I didn't get bitten by a rabbit. Okay. But it's mosquito-borne, so oh, rabbits carry it, and then a mosquito is the vector. And yeah, but um, it was fine. The Finnish hospital um, health system is as is, is good as its education system, so... It wasn't, it wasn't too bad. We are all grateful <laughs> to that, I have to say, because it's a pleasure to engage with you. Um, how did the talk go today? So you, you've spoken how... It went, it went really well. Did they throw veg? Are you okay? Are they we... didn't throw veg. Okay. I had far, far more people turning up than could fit in the room, which, which is, is obviously... It's, it's nice for me to think people want to hear me, but actually not great because it meant that some people who wanted to hear me couldn't, which okay. is a shame. Yeah. Um, but I, I think it went well. I got some very good feedback. I probably talk rather quickly because I had the rather challenging task of talking about three education systems in seven minutes each. Um, but I think I think I got across at least uh, a broad overview of, of some of the key features of each education system. No repetition, um, no deviation. And, and I, I also showed the video, which I actually forgot to mention earlier. I got distracted by the book itself. Um, the way that I'm publishing my book is through a crowdfunding publisher called Unbound. Oh, wow. Um, the reason I've decided to do that is, is when you people... Um, Basically, people buy your book in advance, yep, um, and the money from that goes to funding your book. Splendid. But what I love about it is that when people have pledged for your book, yes, you are then in touch with them through the whole writing process. Wow. Because there's an online shed thing, um, like an online forum, so okay. I can ask questions of of my readers as I'm writing, which Where do I think we go? is fantastic. Where do we go? Um, you go to un- unbound.co.uk. 
Yep. Um, and my book is called Cleverlands. Um, so look for, look for Cleverlands on, on unbound.co.uk and you do have to sign up but it's very quick I'm and there. then you can £10 for an ebook, £20 for the hardback and then you can do all sorts of exciting things like get tickets to the launch party sign up for a, a webinar with me so actually yeah anyone that missed my talk today I will be running um, a webinar series in fact I'll be talking for an hour about each of the systems that I went to with, spe- with special guests from those countries as well so if you're interested in that please go to unbound.co.uk um, and you can you can pledge for it. I feel a TV series coming on. I Ooh, have to say, I'm really <laughs> liking this. I hope mainstream media pick this young lady up. This is uh, exactly what we kind of need. And most exciting person to come along through the ranks for a very long time. Uh, if you want to follow you on Twitter, and I wholly recommend it, listeners, you need to go to. You need to go to um, at Lucy underscore Crayhan, and Crayhan is spelled C R E H A N for November. Thank you very much indeed. A My real pleasure. pleasure. Thank I'm you so much just, for having me, Russell. 16 minutes have gone <laughs> like that, and that is a good measure of a brilliant guest. Good. I wish you every success. I am there on the book funding scheme. I Thank love you. it. Absolutely love it to bits. Listeners, get yourself over there. We need to get behind this young lady because she needs this book published. And with a book, you can take it along and bang someone over the head with it. And I like the sound of that. Lucy, good luck with everything. Thank you so much indeed for joining us today. Thank you very much, Russell. This is the Sunday Times Education Festival radio show. Powered by Anderton Tiger Broadcasting. With Russell Prue. www.festivaloveducation.com Uh, Good to have your company. We are live at Wellington College, really enjoying the show so far. Time for some live music and two very talented young gentlemen. I'm getting them to introduce themselves and we're going to have a chat, a very interesting chat from the warm-up as well. That's just gone. Um, And uh, I'm going to let their music speak for themselves. They're going to play live and sing. Uh, So, gentlemen, introduce yourselves. Tell uh, tell the listeners who you are. Uh, Hey, guys, I'm Lawrence Jones. Uh, I'm the guitarist of the uh, the duet. And uh, And I'm Felix stock and I'm the vocalist and sing- or singer of the duo. Well done, welcome, welcome to the show, thank you very much indeed. Um, what's going on in your lives, what's happening, what's this, you've been working together, you're writing some original stuff which I'm really pleased about because I think covers are so easy uh, and this is a really talented combination. What's what's driving you at the moment? Well we listen to a lot of music together and we've been writing for about nine months together uh, and so Drive, I don't know, we just like to play together and that's kind of all that keeps us going is that we enjoy each other's playing and each other's company. And there are, there are also so many opportunities at Wellington for us to play in front yeah. of an audience and we get really good feedback every time yeah. we do play. So and there's such good support at Wellington for it. So Mr. Stanton, our kind of head of rock and pop and jazz, taking this big trip to uh, Nashville next summer. Uh, and all, all the information for that can be found on the website. On the website, songwriters. songwriters.co.uk. Yeah, Wellington Songwriters. And um, yeah, going to go play some gigs out there. Really enjoy that. I think that'll be really good. Yeah, um, it's going to be a really good experience. They, they ran a similar one last year, and we've heard nothing but good things about it. So I followed the tour personally, uh, and it was an amazing. Actually, uh, the performance standards from um, the students here were were comparable yeah. to the in-house musicians uh, out there. I have to say, it was just an Thank amazing you. experience. Well, into so. names for nothing less than the best. So yeah, there should be no reason why. I'm reassured by that thank you very much indeed so tell the listeners what you're playing what's uh, what's the song you've chosen and why and what's behind it so this is our song the lion song uh, we wrote it 
in a period when we were listening to a lot of Bob Dylan and that kind of thing and uh, kind of comes from our deep love of nature mm, and especially the wildlife the wildlife uh, of African plains such as the Serengeti which we both spent a lot of time talking about uh, and, and looking at YouTube videos of and our favourite uh, animal is the lion so that's the inspiration that. for this one really and where could the music take you where could this is, is there a, a a beckoning career in music is there is this just that you're just having some fun you are very young although you don't appreciate that at this stage it takes age before you kind of appreciate how young you really are at this moment <laughs> in time and so uh, uh, I'll pass on that uh, but do you have plans to exploit this opportunity I think we're just gonna keep keep playing the way we're playing we enjoy playing together and that's kind of one of the, the main and only reasons we play like of course you know if we we play a lot and if you know, if, if anyone recognised that and like recognised what we had, then that'd be very would be very flattered by that. Mm. And obviously, like take any opportunity we're given. But we don't aim like we don't we don't we don't like crave success or anything like that. We just enjoy playing success together. Success of the financial um, yeah means financial means. success yeah means very little that, to that, us. That's not our motivator at the moment. We're not we're not ruling that out. Uh, yeah. I think there's potential to have uh, our music as a <laughs> as a source of income as as a marketable um, thing. But at the moment, it is is just for the pleasure. And do you think that desire to exploit it for monetary purposes taints it in some way? Yes. Really? Yeah. I think if we play for money, then you forget what you're playing. Forget why you're playing. So, so really, best of both worlds would be we play exactly the way we play at the moment, but we get paid and get paid. So would be acceptable to you both. Yeah, uh, this is not the start of a contract or a negotiation in any shape or form. I shall not be paying you, but in kindness, I shall. Thank you, and I'm it's very grateful. That's all we. That's all we want, really. Yeah. Kindness. That's all. We, that's all we yearn. That's all we yearn for. When you're ready, gentlemen. Okay. <coughs> Shoes have been up longer than I have In your skin it was written That the rude boys have been hitting on you Before your pupils got mad Our stump it doesn't change To admit it is to age When we're dusty The dust won't hold the key But before then let us shake we define a quiet taste from your mountains. How can you truly see? My old friend, my oldest friend, you won't break silence to offend. My old friend, my oldest friend, all jazz is just fine. Our jazz is just fine, our jazz is just fine, our jazz is just fine, it won't end. When 
Three gifts to island life Your hell to skelter red rim lights The glisten and slowly grow more white Skin on the wrong way round in your procession Leaving town someday you will hold me first by your side have a melt and gleam your silly lies in this dream this pretty little nowhere is where I won't be but before then let us shake we define a quiet taste from your mountains how can you truly see my old friend my oldest friend our jazz is just fine Old friend, my oldest friend, you won't break silence to offend. But our jazz is just fine, our jazz is just fine, our jazz is just fine, it won't end. Thank you. Thank you. That's, uh, Thank you. Deep and meaningful. And it, in a in a really interesting way. So, uh, what name do you go by? Our, our band. Yeah. We are the three Swedish princes. 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 <laughs> princes. We are three Swedish princes. Uh, which is. But there's two of you in a guitar. There are two of us in the exactly. guitar. Exactly. So, in a way, the music is a third person. <laughs> Great. Yeah. I can't profess to get that, but that's kind of not important, really. Uh, that was amazing, really, really, really good. So, how, how big's the repertoire at the moment? Uh, we've got about four songs, three songs, it's three or four originals. We play, I mean, we play a lot together, kind of just jamming, play a lot of blues together. Mm. Um, but kind of three full, completed songs. Obviously, a lot more kind of material which we've come up with along the way. But like finished, like products, three, four. Do you both play instruments, or is it? Yeah. Uh, well, we both play guitar. He plays piano very well. I play mandolin. I very sing well. as well, and I play guitar. Yeah. And Felix also plays piano. Play piano as well. Good. If people want to, uh, have you published anything? Have we got a YouTube channel? Can we find well, you anyway? On the on the uh, Wellington Songwriters website, there's a video of uh, an acoustic session we played in a while ago. Where you can see the kind of as long like, along with us, the whole host of talent here. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I think the best place to listen to our stuff would be the Wellington College like Songwriters website. Cool. Well, for the moment, uh, Felix Norris, thank you very much thank indeed. You thank you. Thank you us. very much. It's been very enjoyable. You're listening to the Sunday Times Education Festival Radio Show with Russell Crowe. The Sunday Times Education Festival. www.festivaloveducation.com Get into school radio for less. The Anderton Tiger Hub. Anderton forward slash hub. The Sunday Times Education Festival. Brought to you by Summerhouse Education. Uh, my next guest joining me in the studio is Sophie Green. Sophie, welcome to the show. How was your talk today? Well, thank you very much for having me, Russell. Pleasure. Um, talk was very interesting. Um, got some good questions at the end, which is always positive. Tell the listeners a bit more about the talk. 
Essentially, I spoke about the importance of a student owning their education, taking pride in it. Um, at a certain point, parents coerce children into learning. Um, they use whatever means necessary, sticks and carrots. And, and actually, at the end of the day, the maths that one learns for themselves is only helpful for their future. Yep. Their parents can only tell them so far um, or lead them so far. So I, I, in my experience, I've seen that imbuing children or students with a sense of sense of ownership and sense of pride in what they're learning at an earlier age um, goes very far in the long run. How does the system offer this level of choice? How is this going to be possible? Are you, what are you advocating? A kind of a essentially an engagement. Uh, rather than changing the system up, this is essentially an engagement process. So um, the very first step is visualising one's life yep. and perhaps one's passion and inherent interests. Um, then saying, okay, if, for example, I want to be a fashion designer, sure. um, how can I learn about what it takes to become a fashion designer? Maybe I go to the shops, maybe I go to the factory, mm. maybe I shadow some fashion designers in their work life and then I understand realistically the components, the educational components that are needed to get there sure. are a combination of art, um, maths for the actual design mm. aspect, um, potentially history to look into different trends, different periods in, 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 in time. Yeah. Um, so it's bringing learning alive or bringing that vision for learning alive um, so that so that again, from a mentality perspective, that student can then take ownership of their own education. When is it an appropriate age for that student to have these kinds of... When should they specialise? That's a very good question. I think the younger the child is, the younger the student is, um, generally speaking, the more curious they are. And it's important to capture a child's curiosity and imagination um, rather than yeah. have this conversation once someone has become too grounded or too focused on where it is that they've got to be for their exams. I it's get about that, 12. but I guess my, 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 my problem, my uncomfortability factor right. is that unless they know what's on offer, how can they possibly specialise? So we kind of got to get them up to this, this minimum level. I don't know where this minimum level is, and it might be that this level of education is different for every child. But then how do you maintain national standards if we kind of go down that route and... You know, if we were not the species, we would have specialised much earlier on. You know, look at how bees do yeah. this and how other animals from the animal kingdom kind of do this to, to survive, really. And um, I, f I find this very interesting. This is a very, you've prompted a set of... I like the way you've come and, and stirred it up a little and, and, and prepared to ask questions that people didn't even know were questions. Wow. This is really good. Thank so, you very so, much. So, tell us more about the audience. So what uh, was it look, like? How was it met? Uh, this kind of thinking. I had a combination of the question that you're asking about options. Uh, how, how can people start to see what their options are? Generally is one that applies to, to a wider population of children in this country who are at state schools. Indeed. Um, and there was a wonderful uh, 
wonderful governor actually at the back of the audience, Jackie, who asked me the very same question you did. How, how can we get students to understand they do have options? Yeah. Um, sometimes it's as simple as probably a teacher because the parents aren't that interested just saying look there's two or three different options out there you have these options therefore trust me and apply yourself to school um, we also had a, 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 um, a lovely contingent of the Wellington crowd at the front who are on track uh, to do their GCSEs well who know they have options and their 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 focus is different or their problem is different it's how to refine the options and how to stay focused um, so I believe very much that education is something that everybody in this country has a right to receive. I also think that particular individuals are born with certain skill sets and certain levels of capability, sure. that they, uh, certain levels of potential as well, which we ought to uh, do our do our best sort of out of duty mm. to to maximise and. Look, a solution that I see, because I'm not about to change the education system or come up with a new plan for education you run secretary. For office. It's very popular. I think that um, I think tuition is very interesting because it it has now grown to such a point that you've got 28% of the UK population. This is the additional tuition you're talking using, about. Using using private tutors. Okay. And the a problem yes. I see in that arena yes. is that the agencies at the moment are controlling the whole industry. Government, it's not big enough for the government to get involved. The agencies deliberately keep things opaque. And I would love to see communities helping to educate their next generations oh. um, and to facilitate tuition, which is casual, casual education more than anything, so that a retired accountant down the road or a stay-at-home Indeed. mother can potentially help the neighbour's child whose parents don't yeah. care about their education. Well, far be it from me to put words into the Secretary of State for Education's mouth. However, I think she would say um, these kinds of bodies can do that through sponsorship of academies. So, you know, if there's a painters and decorators want to perpetualise the um, uh, skills in painting and decorating, they should open their own free school or academy. I th- and I think that what the academies have done are brilliant. I would say, though, that education starts at home. Uh-huh. And if you can get children interested in learning at home, yeah. then they'll carry that interest in learning through to their own home lives when they have families. You have to get some parents interested in this first. This is true. Mm. Thank you very much. Really exciting. If people want to continue this conversation, can they go to a website? Is there, are you on Twitter? Can we write you a letter bless you how do we communicate how do listeners if you you know there, there may well be one person maybe two who, who find this provocative and want to continue the discussion where may they do that um i have to be better on twitter i must admit um so no twitter no twitter my email address okay is um sophie green s-o-p-h-i-e g-r-e-e-n at yahoo.com I think I'll give you that one so that whatever education question you have, feel free to email me directly. Sophie Green at Yahoo. Thank you very much indeed. Nice to talk to you. Thanks. Bye-bye. This is the Sunday Times Education Festival radio show. Powered by Anderton Tiger Broadcasting. This is the Sunday Times Education Festival radio show. Powered by Anna.
Well, that's all we've got time for. I hope you enjoyed the show. Thank you to all my guests. Thank you to Lucy. Thank you to Sophie. Thank you to Felix. Thank you to Lawrence. Thank you to everyone. Thank you to Ben here, uh, Greenslade Stanton, for his amazing help and support here. He's head of jazz, rock, and pop here at Wellington College. A uh, big goodbye to the master, uh, Dr. Sir Anthony Selden, who's moving on. Thank you very much for your hospitality. Big thank you to Ian Pickin and the team at Summerhouse Education. An amazing experience. Hope you enjoyed the show. Catch you next time when you catch us here at the Sunday Times Festival of Education. Thanks for listening. This is the Sunday Times Education Festival Radio Show, powered by Anderton Tiger Broadcasting with Russell Pro www.festivalofeducation.com